0: One of my favourite ways to experience video games outside of playing them is listening to their soundtracks. I can pull up one of my favourites on Spotify and be instantly transported back to those game worlds. Just like a film score drives the emotion in cinema, for many games, the music plays an equally important role in storytelling. Even in the 1980s, with the limitations of sound chips, the best composers were still able to create incredibly expressive music. Dragon Quest composer Koichi Sugiyama is known as the pioneer of orchestral music in role-playing games. As a classically trained musician and conductor, his orchestral style hadn't really been heard in games before. Then in 1987, he staged the very first video game music concert in the world, and audiences heard his compositions in all of their symphonic beauty.
1: He started with performing a mixture of classical music and his own game music for Dragon Quest. And then this idea became bigger, or how you want to call it. He, he changed the idea a little bit. And then he brought more game music soundtracks into his concerts, also the ones he didn't compose by himself. And so the orchestral concert series started. They had at least five concerts they had with programs ranging from all big Japanese game titles at this time, like Dragon Quest, obviously, and Final Fantasy, Legend of Zelda, Chrono Trigger, and um, yeah, all the soundtracks which were popular at this time.
0: Sugiyama's concerts were successful, allowing fans to experience the music of their favorite game in a new way. But live orchestral performances for video game music never made it outside of Japan. That was until one person decided to do something about it.
1: My name is Thomas Boecker, I'm a producer from Germany and for the last 20 years about I have been promoting and uh, producing video game music concerts all over the world.
0: Fueled by his love of game soundtracks and classical music, in 2003 Thomas set out to bring these incredible concerts to Germany and the world. I'm James Parkinson, from Lawson Media, this is Gameplay. Stories about video games and the virtual world's the power culture and community. Thomas Berker has made a career of bringing games and orchestral music together, which were two things he was exposed to from a young age.
1: Uh, it all started basically when my father was bringing our family a Commodore 64 home computer. This was when I was around the age of seven or eight. And I have to emphasize that this was quite special because we lived in the GDR in East Germany. So it was actually not so easy for us to get such a computer because it just didn't exist or you couldn't buy it uh, in a normal way. You couldn't go to the shop and get it there. But my grandmother, she lived in West Germany and when she turned 60 years old, my father was allowed to visit her in West Germany. And uh, he was quite visionary. (laughs) He thought that he would spend the money, which he saved um, for a Commodore 64 and to bring it home because he could see that Uh, potentially this would change quite a lot of things in the life of the family, which then also was true because not only me, Not only I got interested in uh, video games and uh, computers in general, my brothers did the same. So he really had a big influence on the whole family by bringing this Commodore 64 to the family. And then, of course, uh, at the age of seven, I was especially interested in in playing video games. And so it started uh, and it also got my interest not only for the games themselves, but also for the video game music.
0: It was the simplicity of game music at the time that captured Thomas' attention, and also led to his interest in electronic
1: music. So these two worlds combined, in a way, and uh, my memories, if I think back, what what I remember the most are games like um, Gianna Sisters, or To Be On Top. Um, and like a lot of soundtracks, actually, which were composed by the German composer Chris Hülsbeck. Or there were, of course, also other um, great tunes from composers like Rob Hubbard, who did, uh, for example, uh, Commando, or uh, soundtracks like Last Ninja, International Karate, and so on and so on. So there were many, many soundtracks which got my attention.
0: As for classical music, initially it wasn't a direct interest, but something that was always part of Thomas's life
1: growing up. I'm coming from a family of teachers, <laughs> lucky me, yes, and <laughs> and so so uh, uh, classical music always played some role in our family. It's not like that we have a lot of people playing the music themselves or performing the music. But especially my grandfather, he was listening to classical music a lot. So even that I was not like um, especially interested in a young age, I was influenced by it without any doubts. I actually got interested in film music before I then again got more interested in classical music later on. And uh, this came when, I think at the age of 13 or 14, when I was starting to listen more to music by John Williams, like uh, Jurassic Park was my my entrance point (laughs) to the world of uh, movie soundtracks. And then, yeah, again, all these worlds somehow combined in an interesting way and um, coming from this like Uh, video game music, and then film soundtracks. Uh, This again got me more interested in what the classical music world has to offer. So I would say my main interest became orchestral music. And by the early 2000s, Thomas had learned about
0: Koichi Sugiyama's concerts in a German gaming magazine.
1: And they described it as something... In a nice way they said it's weird that uh, even video game music gets performed by full orchestras. And I read about it and I thought actually it's not that weird it's actually quite cool and then I started waiting because I was at this time I was already a big fan of uh, music by Chris Hulsbeck as I said and uh, I I thought like wow how cool would it be if we would have a performance of music by Chris Hulsbeck by a by a real orchestra (laughs) that was why what I was thinking at this time and then nothing happened so I thought okay if nobody is doing it in the western world i have to do it uh, there's only this one choice and so i uh, proposed the idea to the uh, leipzig trading fair because at this time uh, 2002 2003 they started their gaming conventions in leipzig which was like europe's biggest uh, trading fair for video games at this time so i thought Why not suggesting them that we have a concert alongside their gaming fair? And um, fortunately they agreed. And so it started that we could do a a video game music concert at the famous Gewandhaus concert hall in Leipzig as the opening ceremony of the trading fair games convention.
0: This concert proved to be a crucial step in convincing people outside of Japan that orchestral performances of video game music was worth doing. Remember, the first concert in Tokyo was held in 1987. It then took 16 years, actually to the day, for an equivalent concert to be held outside of the country.
1: I believe that nobody really thought that it would be attractive enough to to really have an audience to come and to pay to see and hear such a concert. So even when I proposed this to the uh, training fair in Leipzig, um, they thought maybe a few hundreds of people would show up. But for them it didn't really matter because it was this um, opening ceremony anyway. So I think nobody really realized the potential behind such an idea and that there are enough people out there um, that could potentially be interested in attending.
0: While the games convention had nothing to lose in giving Thomas this opportunity, the response from the audience showed that there was absolutely an interest in this kind of event.
1: For the first concert, there was a big, big interest from people to buy tickets and it sold out. And we had 2000 people attending this first concert already. And at this point, they realized, oh, okay, that's something, something we should probably follow. And this is also the reason why, uh, like from then every year, um, they had another uh, opening ceremony with a game music concert. So my my pitch was successful, I guess. And um, (laughs) I was invited to present my ID directly in Leipzig. And then again, I guess I was convincing enough to, to make them believe that it could be a success, which I'm very happy about. Um, so... The the trading fair in Leipzig was quite open-minded right from the start, which was, um, yeah, I, I mean, I was really lucky, because this was not only the first video game music concert outside of Japan, it was also my very first project as a freelancer. So it was just the time when I became a freelancer, and this was the first project I actually did, and it was quite a big one already. Before producing
0: game concerts, Thomas was a producer for a game publisher near Frankfurt. He also created a project called Merignon, which gave him the foundations he'd need later in order to coordinate
1: the production of the concerts. Merignan is, uh, is a symphonic fairy tale of sorts, where video game music composers from all over the world provide music for a story, for a fairy tale which I came up with. So the idea was to tell... Um, a story through orchestral music. So this was the basic idea for Marignon, And then composers like Chris Hülsberg or Yusukoshiro Koshiro, they all provided music for these two CDs, which I did. 2000 uh, was the first volume and 2004, I think, was the second volume. And um, this was the kind of project which got everything started. Because I could make my My contacts to composers all over the world. And then, even more importantly, in 2002, I had my first contact with an orchestra because I invested all my private money, which I had at this time, to go to Prague and to record the music of Merignan 2 with a live orchestra. So this was my first big experience uh, on this part. So this again takes the idea of telling a story through symphonic music. So this is just like the one project, as I said, which keeps everything together and which basically describes what my passion for my project is, telling stories through symphonic music.
0: Thomas also connected with a conductor and an orchestra manager through Merignan, so when it came to getting his concerts off the ground, he knew the right people to turn to for help, and the rest fell into place from there.
1: Yeah, it basically, the internet was very helpful. (laughs) Um, I simply contacted all the publishers, all the developers, or the composers by email, or if this didn't work by by phone. (laughs) And then I simply ask. I mean, I know it sounds very easy, which it not always, but uh, that's just how it it went. I I contacted them, um, and then I guess, again, I was convincing enough so that they believed in the idea. Uh, And I mean, if you are a composer and somebody is writing you an email or is calling you and saying, by the way, we have this 80-piece orchestra, And they are interested in performing your music in one of the most prestigious concert halls in Germany. Uh, How do you feel about it? And (laughs) it's most likely the way that they are very, very excited about it, and of course they want to join."
0: Thomas says the most challenging aspect was actually navigating the legal issues of music licensing from the game developers.
1: Yes, I would say it is time-consuming, but it's also depending very much on on the publisher or the developer of the games. So, um, for example, Nintendo is very strict about everything. So this process probably took the longest because they really did not only want to know many details of like, where it's performed, who's performing, who's producing, I mean obvious things which I as a producer also would like to know if somebody's contacting me then they are also very particular so um, this is something that really took some time But, I mean, it's understandable because it's with Legend of Zelda or Super Mario huge IPs. So, of course, they don't want anybody to mess around with with them. And then you had uh, publishers who just said, "Um, Great idea, we still have the uh, scores here anyway, can we send them to you? Uh, Here you have our permission. So it's like a a mixture of of both um, extremes in a way. The, The most important and most difficult part was first, especially for the first concert, nothing like that had been done in the Western world before, was contacting publishers and developers and to find out who's actually responsible for this Kind of permission for this kind of approval. Um, There's also the question of uh, sheet music, of arrangements. Do they exist or do they have to be created? And especially in the beginning, the answer often was they had to be created because nothing existed. There are
0: some game music performances that are closer to a rock concert than the symphony with a light show and maybe some game footage on a big screen. That obviously works well for certain soundtracks, but the kinds of concerts Thomas produces are purely orchestral, and even if you're familiar with a particular game, you're guaranteed to hear something new. That's coming up after the break. One of the things I'm most proud of about gameplay is the wonderful community of listeners that's formed around the show. I love hearing directly from people like you on social media or email and reading all the great reviews on Apple Podcasts. But I also love hanging out and talking games on the Gameplay Discord. It's a friendly and welcoming space and it's open to everyone. So come and join us, head to gameplay.co and click on join our Discord. See you there. Since the inception of symphonic video game concerts, Thomas Berger has produced several concert series, each focusing on different kinds of games. In 2008, the concerts moved from the Games Convention in Leipzig to Cologne's Philharmonic Hall.
1: I was approached by the WDR, which is a big radio and TV station um, in in Germany. And uh, they also have two orchestras, and um, they were interested in attracting a young audience as well. So from 2008 I did another series of concerts they called the symphonic series. There were concerts like symphonic shades, fantasies, legends and odysseys and they all had different themes to them. So the first concert, Shades, was all about music from German composer Chris Hülsbeck, who was like my childhood hero (laughs) of video game music. So I wanted to have this tribute to to him and his music. So this is how it started with the WDR. And then we went on with Symphonic Fantasies, celebrating the music of Square Enix with um, Kingdom Hearts, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, Secret of Mana and Final Fantasy. And then from there, we went to Symphonic Legends, which is a concert all about music from Nintendo games, Super Mario Brothers, Pikmin, Legend of Zelda, you know them, Star Fox and so on. And then the last with the WDR was Symphonic Odysseys, which again was a tribute concert to one of my video game music composer heroes. In this case, it was Nobuo Uematsu. So we had a concert all uh, with all of music from him, like Blue Dragon, um, Lost Odyssey, and of course, Final Fantasy as well. So these were completely... Different um, concepts, but always with the idea behind to tell stories through symphonic music. And then from there, the Final Symphony international tour started. This is basically where Final Symphony became international, because then we had the program that could travel around the world and be presented with different orchestras in many different um, venues all over the world. Final Symphony toured around
0: Europe, the UK, the United States, Australia and even in Japan, bringing orchestral game music concerts full circle. Part of the reason why these concerts have been so successful is the experience created for the audience. They're not just performing the game soundtracks as a direct adaptation, instead Thomas and his team take the existing melodies and
1: develop them to create new arrangements. This development of themes and uh, the development of all the melodies I think is what makes orchestral music so great because then you can really showcase what is an orchestra, because you can put the melodies to different orchestra sections, you can feature soloists and special parts and so on. So you have this constant movement through different moods and different emotions throughout the whole concert. Take Final Symphony as an example. I wanted these longer pieces for Final Fantasy VI, VII, and X. And uh, once I got approval for this idea, I approached the arrangers, Jonne Valtonen and Roger Vanamo, and then we discussed how we can approach the whole concert concept. Like, what is the title that could have most of the music performed from, and also generally in what kind of style. So. Final Fantasy VI became a symphonic poem, Final Fantasy X became a piano concerto, and Final Fantasy VII became a full symphony. So these sort of decisions are made at the very beginning, and then we just took three, to us, very important scenes from the game and put them to music. We can't tell the full story, but we can tell such important scenes, such important moments from the games that the people in the audience can just combine the music with their memories of when they played the game and then I think it all connects and then it brings up the emotion which we we wanted to bring up. Usually if you have an arrangement of 15 minutes then you are sort of limited in uh, bringing out the full story of the game so that's not, not possible but you can always find the key moments, the key beats of the story, and then integrate them into the uh, music arrangement.
0: Tom has no issues with non-orchestral game concerts, though. For him, it's a matter of personal taste and
1: creating a new experience for the audience. For me, it was always more about creating the image in your head while listening to the music. This is always something was always something that is attractive to me personally. But I mean, uh, the good thing is with video game music, I guess that there's room for so many different concepts. So for the consumer, for the audience, it's actually pretty nice that now they can choose what kind of style they prefer. If it's more like the let's say, in in my case, I would call it more like classical approach, where the music is really in the focus. But then you can also have um, concerts where it's more a celebration of the games in in general, like with with footage from the games and with the music as a part of it. So I think there's not really a a right or wrong. It's just a different concept and it comes down, I think, for all the producers. I, I know a few of them to always, like, what is their personal taste and how they feel what is best for the audience to enjoy.
0: And this approach has definitely resonated with the games community, allowing fans to connect with their favourite games and soundtracks in a new way. And it's also been effective in getting younger audiences to engage with the symphony.
1: It's really touching. I mean, uh, it's, it's a very interesting audience for me because for many of them it's the first contact with the uh, orchestra, with orchestral music, with a live orchestra performance, they're so so quiet during the performances because they just want to get every nuance, they really want to get every detail of, of the music. And then once it stops, when the music is over, you have a reaction like a in a rock concert, I would say. Like very enthusiastic and... Cheering and uh, really loud, and really showing how much they appreciate the fact that their music is performed in such a live concert in such an uh, environment. So I guess for the orchestras, and that's also the reason why orchestras like to perform video game music more and more, a strong part about it, I think, is the audience. Of course, the audience is usually so respectful and uh, is really appreciating the musicians so much that what else could you ask for as a musician to really get this sort of respect from an audience? I think that's pretty cool.
0: It's also not uncommon for the musicians to be gamers themselves, getting the opportunity to perform music that they have a personal connection with.
1: I mean, I'm doing this now almost 20 years, so of course there has been some development. And with the fact that more and more young musicians are joining the orchestras, of course you have many of them with an experience playing games, and then immediately it becomes more important to them for obvious reasons, because they can relate to what is on their desk if they if they play it. So I, I remember, for example, the Royal Stockholm Philharmonic Orchestra, there was or is a lady in the, playing the violin who is a big Final Fantasy fan. So, and of course she is very happy if the music um, of her favorite uh, franchise is, is played in, in a concert. So the the change, the contrast thing is, I think, really something they can appreciate. Over the years, the interest changed and developed that even uh, like a high-profile orchestra, one of the very best in the world, like the London Symphony Orchestra, is asking if they can perform music from Final Fantasy on a tour in Japan. I mean, that's quite something. There is something really special about the way these
0: two art forms of video games and classical music have been brought together. And when you think about the respect that the great orchestras of the world command, these concerts are allowing video games and their music to be viewed in a different light, and challenge the misconceptions of what games are all about.
1: Yeah, I think this comes, I mean, I I often hear that, uh, let's say, teenagers, young people are going to these concerts and then they bring their parents or even their grandparents. And then I think it's like a learning experience for three different generations. So the young people, they will learn something more about orchestras. And then let's say the older and very respectful older people will learn more about what their children or grandchildren are actually doing in their spare time when they are playing these games. And then there might be this learning experience about what these games are about and people will start talking about it so it's 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 spreading the word is spreading about what is out there and what can be done with today's Um, video games because there are many people who still believe that video games are very very simple and don't really have any deeper meaning but if you once attended such a concert with a prestigious orchestra then you realize oh okay there must be something about it and then i probably should yeah, do some research and learn a little bit what is now possible today. And then you suddenly find out that there is a whole new world of opportunities with today's video games.
0: What's been the most rewarding
1: aspect of all this work for you? I think traveling around the world and uh, meeting with so many talented, very, very interesting, intelligent uh, people. And to be there with an audience who is so enthusiastic and so thankful and grateful and that something like that is happening so yeah i think it's this emotional part which is the the most interesting thing and to to come to different countries to learn something about the culture there yeah it's it's a change in your life you can experience something new and you learn something new you get a different perspective on certain things uh, different cultures and so on so It's a big uh, uh, benefit of being a producer of such concerts to have such an um, opportunity, and I'm very, very grateful about it.
0: Thanks to Thomas Berker for his time and sharing his story. If you want to learn more about Symphonic game concerts or to check out some videos of performances, visit gameconcerts.com. You can also listen to Symphonic Fantasies and Final Symphony on Spotify and Apple Music, which I've linked to in the episode description and on our website, gameplay.co. Gameplay is a production of Lawson Media. This episode was written and produced by me, James Parkinson. The gameplay theme was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Our artwork is by Keegan Sanford and additional music from Blue Dot Sessions and Breakmaster Cylinder. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Gameplay Podcast. We also have a Discord, so come and join us. And if you'd like to support the show and receive an ad-free feed, you can become a Gameplay member for $5 US a month and help us to make the podcast sustainable. You can also help us out by telling your friends about the show, sharing it on social media and with your favourite games publication, and also by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts you'll find all the links, plus episode transcripts and further reading on our website, gameplay.co. Thanks for listening.